Hello, and welcome to our series, Career Resilience, where we talk with people about their career path and their career journey, and maybe we can all learn from each other. My name is Jan Daniluk, and I'm a human resources professional in London, Ontario, Canada. I work with Ford Keist LLP, and I work with my clients to help them with the HR side of their business. We hope that you will enjoy these discussions with real people about real challenges and real working life situations. Welcome. And I'm so pleased today to have Jeff Pulford with me. Jeff, welcome to this series, Career Resilience. So nice to see you and have you here. Thanks, Jan. I'm pleased to be here. So I have a bunch of questions for you here at Mission Control. So, so let's uh, get going. So Jeff, um, just to put things in context, what is your current role? I am the Chief Operating Officer at Learners. Um, Learners is a, I will say, a leading southwestern Ontario law firm with about 125 lawyers. We also have an office in Toronto. Okay. And uh, how long have you been in that role? I've been here uh, about 15 months. Oh, 15 months. Okay. Now, you're a chartered accountant, so sometimes I get my initials mixed up. You're a CA? Yes. So one of the things that I have noticed is that about grade 11, people develop a passion for becoming a CA. So, so tell us about you in grade 11. <laughs> well, I can tell you that in grade 11, I didn't have any passion to become an accountant at all. In fact, I had taken accounting, I think, in grade 9, and I think I got a 50 or 51 on it. So um, it, uh, when I was in grade 11, I really wasn't terribly focused on my career at that time. I was enjoying high school and enjoying myself. Uh, it wasn't until I got to university that I, that I honed in on, on the CA designation. Okay. Where did you go to university and what did you take? So I went to Bishop's University, which is in uh, Lenoxville, Quebec, uh, and I went there for, um, uh, for a number of reasons. One was I wanted a business school. Uh, two, I did not want to be in, in, in London. Uh, three, I wanted a smaller school. And four, I wanted it to be in some place where I could ski. And so those are the four reasons that I, that I chose Bishop's. Well, those are good reasons. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, so... So, see, so when did you decide to go in the path of accounting then? So the, you know, part of the business program was, was accounting and, uh, and, and I happened to do particularly well in accounting and, uh, and it was 1980 when I graduated and in 1980 there, they were kind of tough times. Interest rates were approaching yeah. 20% and so a lot of companies were not hiring, but the accounting firms were and, uh, and it was my accounting professor. I actually wanted to get into the investment business. It was my accounting professor who said, no, no, no I think you should do the CA program. So um, I went to work at Coopers and Librand, which is now PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, in London, and um, uh, and I, I have to say, I mean, you know, Jan, I knew, I, I was pretty sure, I should say, that I didn't really want to be an accountant, um, but I looked at the CA program, and I, I, the logic that I used in that was, if I get into this and I love it, fantastic, I've found my career. If I get into it and I don't love it, I'm not going to regret the designation, and I'm not going to re uh, regret the education. Um, you know, I went on uh, from the accounting world and I and I got into banking and I used exactly the same logic there in the sense that I, I asked I kind of said to myself I mean if I get into banking and I love it great 
if I get into banking and I don't love it, well, then uh, that's fine. Um, I'm going to learn a lot over the course of four or five years at the, at the bank. I was in public accounting for four years, but I was one of the people that as soon as I got my designation, I was I was starting to look elsewhere because, as I say, I, I was pretty sure that accounting, being an accountant was not something I wanted to do. And so even when I was looking outside or looking to, to get out of public accounting, I wasn't looking for jobs as controllers or chief financial officers or anything like that. I was looking for general business opportunities where the CA, the, you know, it's the CA designation is a well-recognized designation. And so it, it, it offers instant credibility. It's a, it's, it's just a good designation to have in the business world. Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur, Jeff? I, there is a, there is a very large part of me that's an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> I, I have to say that when I strike out on my own, uh, a certain fear um, kind of comes into play, but I'm probably more of an entrepreneur than an entrepreneur uh, in the sense that I, 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 I feel, I, I, I don't feel like a typical accountant, frankly, Jan, I feel more like a, uh, I, I'm looking for change in business. I'm looking for ways of doing things different than the way they've been done in the past. That's what really kind of excites me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I do, you know, I do have that entrepreneurial spirit, but I, you know, I'm working in a large organization. I like that idea of bringing that entrepreneurial spirit or becoming entrepreneurial, as they say, bringing that into an organization, because that's, isn't that what an organization wants? You know, it's an interesting thing. I, I got into the legal profession. So I've been at Learners for 15 months, but I spent 17 years at Harrison Penza as um, uh, as the chief executive officer there. And I so I've been in legal services about 20 years and I got into legal services because I thought that the legal profession was ripe for change. And, and I will say I was wrong 20 years ago. The legal profession is very slow to change, but I, I came back to it because I believe that it is going to change and it's going to transform in a, and I think in a fairly significant way. And I want to be part of that. I want to lead that. I want to, I, I, I'm excited about that because I think that there are really fantastic opportunities in the legal services industry to change the model uh, so that it works for clients and it works for the for the lawyers yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, I've worked myself with a lot of lawyers over the years, and um, I think they have such complex jobs and such high standards of requirements that focusing on their jobs and focusing on their clients means that sometimes it's not so easy to focus on the actual business of being a lawyer and, and the law. So I have a great deal of sympathy for, for the challenges of that profession and, and how difficult it can be. I wanted to ask you, I mentioned to you that this is about career resilience and, and our focus really is on helping people navigate their careers by hearing about people who have had real careers and real and real challenges and so on. Now you're very senior and you've been very senior for for a long time and um, I think a big part of of your skill set along with that uh, CA and all those skills that you developed is that you understand people uh, uh, to a great extent. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about your thoughts about career resilience and, and finding the right people and working with the right people. I've, I've developed a lot of thoughts on, on that, Jan. And um, so when you talk about, you know, kind of setting an organization up for um, 
uh, for success. And I have to say that actually coming coming to Learners after uh, you know and being here for 15 months and kind of at this stage of my career, one of the things that that really is exciting to me is that I can take everything that I've learned over the course of my career and I can and I can put it to work. Um, here at uh, here at Learners, and there are some some things that are kind of foundational. And I have to say that for the people that report to me at Learners, they have heard me say this these things ad nauseum. And and I think, frankly, I think it's important to constantly be reinforcing certain messages. And if you want, I mean, I'm I'm happy to kind of share some of those thoughts with you um, if that's what you're if if, if that's what you'd like. That, that's exactly what I'd, I'd like to hear from you, yeah. Let me start by saying that, that I, you know, I believe that it's so, I really believe that it's important to get the right people in the right chairs. And I think that that's an easy thing to say. I think it's a really difficult thing to do um, because it, it, it means that you have to assess people's skills. You have to assess what the organizational needs are. And, uh, and then you've got to make changes. And, and that's not always uh, an easy thing to do. You know, you, you can't will an organization to success. It takes people and uh, it's your staff that are going to make you and your organization successful. And it's staff that are going to make you unsuccessful. And so you really have to focus on, on making sure that you've got those people in the right chairs and and you, you know I'm not going to say be ruthless but I think that you have to you have to be disciplined about the way in which you uh, you kind of roll that out um, I say that that's important because I believe that organizations perform at their peak only when every person in the organization is performing at their peak yeah. and I think it's the responsibility of management um, to help everyone perform at their peak mm-hmm. And I think there's a way to do that. And I think the first thing is you've got to tell people very clearly what it is that you expect from them. Uh, then I think you have to give them the tools that they need to be able to do the job that you're asking them to do. It's not fair to ask someone to perform at their peak and then tie their hands behind their back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's not fair. Yeah. The next thing that you have to do, in my mind, is create the environment that encourages people to be their best. And then leave them alone uh, and let them perform. And if they don't perform, then you probably have the wrong person in the wrong job. And that's that's not necessarily their fault. I mean, that's that that's that's a shared responsibility. I mean, I have a hand in, in getting the wrong people in the wrong chairs as well. And sometimes it's just a case of finding finding another place for them yeah. to to be within the organization. It's not that 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 they're necessarily bad. Yeah, they're not bad people. They're just not the fit. One of the things that I always say to people is, is remember how you felt when you first got the job and how exciting it was when you got the offer and how you felt about that and, and how you were just going to go in there and just do such a great job and try and retain that feeling. And I sometimes wonder where, where does that feeling go? Because lots of times people are not the right people in the right chairs and and sometimes management um, doesn't say to them you know you're not the right person in, in this chair it's it's a very tough thing I think management has a lot to do with it too I think it's really mm-hmm. easy to look at someone and say that person's not performing up to snuff they're not a good person yeah. you know I worked for a, a man in my career a boss uh, in my career who said I believe that 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 most people who come to work want to want to do a great job yeah. and i've never forgotten those words because if you think of that 
it's probably true. I mean, it's probably yeah. true that most people want to do a great job when they come to work. So if they're not doing a great job, mm-hmm. I guess the question is why? And, and what responsibility do I have as a manager? And I think oh, I've got a lot oh. of responsibility in that um, if they're not doing a good job. And yet I think a lot, I think in a lot of cases, if somebody's not performing, we blame it on them. And I don't think that's fair. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. Um, you you have talked to, to in the past about letting people off the hook, and I think that's a really unique concept. So could you could you speak to that to that Jeff concept? You know, I, I do say that to people a lot. Usually, it's to people that report to me uh, who are struggling with uh, with some kind of uh, decision. But you know, I see a lot of managers that take on more responsibility than they need to. And they create a lot more pressure for themselves uh, than they need to. And when they do that, you know, if if you make a mistake, the repercussions can be serious. Um, and I, so what I say to people that report to me oftentimes is, you know, is pass it up. Um, and to some extent, then you relieve some of the pressure. You know, it's it's groups of people, as I was saying before, it, you know, no one person can make an organization successful. And so mm-hmm. we work together as teams. And that means that we share responsibility uh, with each other. Now, if I have to do someone's job for them, then I don't need that person. And and so I'm not talking about that. But what I am saying is that there mm-hmm. are times that people struggle with decisions and they need to take and they need to share that. They need to pass it up and, and give it to me, the, the boss, and let me let me help them with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's really what I mean by take yourself off the hook. Do you think that flies in the face a little bit, Jeff, of trying to be a, a star to try to, well, impress you as the boss? Because I think we all want to impress the boss. You know, the interesting thing is, is that nobody has a lock on good ideas and, and no one, no one has all the right answers. Um, you know, there are, there, there are a lot of little things that I, that I say, but you know, you're not the boss because you have all the answers. You're the boss because you know how to find the answers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so if, you know, if you're trying to be a star, that doesn't mean that you have and you, you don't have all the right answers. You know, there's a guy by the name of Ray Dalio, and he's the founder of Bridgewater, which is the largest hedge fund in the world. Mm-hmm. And in 2008 financial crisis, Bridgewater actually had positive returns in excess of 20%. Ray Dalio is a very smart guy. Uh, and what he says is, I don't care who has the right answer. Well, and I don't care how I find the right answer. I just want the right answer. Yeah. And yeah. so he's relentless in his pursuit of, uh, of, of the right answer. And, 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 you know, I think it's, I don't think Bridgewater is a place where everybody wants to work. It's a pretty, it's a pretty tough and a pretty ruthless environment, but you know, mm-hmm. you can't compete with the people around you. I mean, if you have good people, pick their brains, learn from them because learning yes. from other people doesn't make you weaker. It makes you stronger. Yeah, I think that's true. One of the things that I've always found very fascinating is if you have a a team and you all bring different talents to the table and you you have a problem and you don't have an answer and none of you have an answer, but you bring the team together and somehow that brain trust, you come up with an answer. And I think that's one of the most exciting things about being a team. And I think it's also one of the most exciting things about working with a, a great, well, a great boss. And uh, I think that's important. Yeah, and you, 
you're stronger as a group than you are yeah. as an individual. And, yeah. and, and so I think it's really important to understand that. And I think it's really important, no matter where you are in the organization, to understand that you're, you're part of something that's bigger than you. And what yeah. you need to do is contribute your skills. Don't, don't be, you know what? We're all good at some things and we're not good at other things. There are things yeah. that we like to do and there are things that we don't like to do. <laughs> and so figure that out and do the things that you like to do and let other people do the things that you don't like to do um, and <laughs> respect them for it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Jeff, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it. Jan, it's always a pleasure ch uh, chatting with you and thank you for having me as part of your program. Thanks. And to our listeners and our viewers, I hope that you enjoyed uh, Jeff and, and, and my chat today. I found it fascinating. I hope you did too. And thank you for joining us. And until we meet again.